Hi, and welcome back to Love in Quarantine. I am your host, Carly Shortino. Before we start, I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Luwand. Luwand is a female-founded brand of premium pleasure toys, and I just got a box of toys from them last week and then spent the weekend doing some extremely laborious research into their products. And their stuff is really beautifully made. They have everything from a classic, high-powered wand massager to smaller vibrating bullets, which are USB rechargeable. Very modern. To learn more about Lawand, visit lawandmassager.com and use code CARLY, K-A-R-L-E-Y, to take advantage of their special once-a-year 30% off sale, which is valid through May 31st. So, it has been said that Catastrophic events can make us horny because they remind us of our own mortality and of the fleeting quality of life. But this is obviously made very complicated during a viral pandemic in which, you know, you can't even be within six feet of anyone, let alone fuck them. So unsurprisingly, there are a ton of conversations happening right now about sex and libido in the era of coronavirus. Like Twitter is constantly full of people talking about how coronavirus has turned them into masturbation addicts, which is awkward. There was a lot of news recently about how during lockdown, Pornhub was giving away free premium subscriptions and like everyone was super excited about it. And I was like, who needs that? Like if you've already finished Pornhub, that to me is far scarier than coronavirus itself. Anyway, um, alongside all of these anecdotes about everyone being desperate for sex, a lot of my friends are telling me that them and their partners are having less sex than usual because they're so anxious. And then I also have other friends and people I know who have been saying that they are so stressed out that all they want to do is fuck because it's just an excuse to not look at the news, basically. I feel like I fall somewhere in between, but it truly at this point depends on the hour. But the takeaway is that this pandemic is having a really big impact on the frequency and quality of our sex lives. And so this is what we're going to dive deep into in this episode. So I'm super excited because today I'm talking with Dr. Justin LaMiller. And Dr. LaMiller is a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. And he's one of a group of researchers who's studying how this pandemic is affecting people's sex lives and relationships. He's the author of the blog, Sex and Psychology, and he also wrote the popular book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. One of the things I most enjoyed was talking about couples and what sort of couples are having more sex right now and which couples are having less sex and what factors play into that. And we also discuss coronavirus-themed pornography. So that's something to look forward to. But before we get started, I just want to quickly say that if you've been enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe and give us a rating. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, here goes. Okay, so you are studying how this pandemic is affecting people's romantic and sexual lives. So can you tell us a bit about that study? Like, what is it exactly that you're looking for? Sure. So some of my colleagues at the Kinsey Institute and I got together as lockdown and social distancing orders were going into effect. And we decided to conduct a study to look at what the impact was going to be on people's intimate lives, in part because we started to hear all these things in the media about everyone being really horny right now, and people are searching for more porn and uh, buying more sex toys, and Amazon is running out of dildos. And so we wanted to <laughs> conduct a study to, to really look at what is actually going on in people's lives. We also want to look at who are the people who are doing really well right now, where they're thriving, versus the people who are really struggling, so that we can try and identify 
what are the factors that predict better outcomes so that maybe we can have a roadmap for future situations like this so that we can have tools we can recommend to help people better navigate these really challenging and unique situations. You know, you're talking about how everyone on the internet is talking about how they're horny. I feel like that is one of the first things I noticed in this pandemic. And I know that it's said that natural disasters make us, you know, horny or increase our libido because it reminds us of our own mortality, sort of. And have you found that that to be true, that people are hornier than they were a couple of months ago? Now, when it comes to whether people are actually hornier right now, what we see in our data is that on average, people are reporting that they're less sexually active right now than they were during typical times. And that includes less masturbation and less partnered sexual activity. So despite everything we're hearing about everybody wanting a lot of sex, it's just not really being borne out in our data. That said, there's a small percentage of people who are more active right now who are masturbating more frequently than they used to or having more partnered sex than they used to, but they're far outnumbered by the people who are not having any sexual activity at all or are having it at a much lower rate. So what is like the mismatch there? Why are there so many tweets about people being horny? Is it just because like people want something to say and they don't have anything else to say? Or maybe the horny people are just more vocal, right? Um, Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess it's not very exciting to tweet. I didn't masturbate today. <laughs> right. It does, it, people are not going to retweet that, and that's not going to get big media coverage. Honestly, I would retweet that. I think that's really funny. <laughs> um, so you said that people are watching a lot of porn. How is porn consumption changing during this time? So we've seen this in our data, and then we've also seen data that Pornhub and other companies have put out suggesting that there is an overall increase in in porn viewership right now compared to typical times. And that makes sense because you have more people with leisure time on their hands, but you also have people who don't have the same sexual outlets that they did before. And so they might be turning to porn as a, as a substitute. So we're seeing that overall consumption of pornography is up. And we're also seeing that the types of things people are searching for is changing a little bit too. I know there was a lot in the media recently about coronavirus-themed porn, for example, where you know if you go on Pornhub, there are actually thousands of videos now that come up when you type in coronavirus. And these are videos where people are having sex while they're wearing masks or hazmat suits. Uh, and, you know, there are sort of these other pandemic indicators uh, going on there. And so there's almost this fetishization of COVID-19 that, that's happening. Well, I mean, I can't be the first one to say this. When pe- you see people walking around in masks and latex gloves, like it looks BDSM-esque to me. You know what I mean? There's something that's super bondage about it. And I was like, whoever has a mask fetish or a latex fetish is like loving this pandemic. Yeah. And I think there is some truth to that because we've known that medical equipment fetishes have been around for a long time. And we know that they're sometimes incorporated into BDSM play because masks in particular provide this sense of anonymity, which some people find heightens sexual thrills and excitement because you don't know necessarily who the other person is. It could be anyone. Also, we know that when people wear masks or when they dress up, it's sort of 
creates this state of what we call de-individuation, where you're, you're kind of becoming a different person in a way. And so it can take you out of your head and kind of allow you to, to, to really get into the moment because you're, you're shedding that identity uh, that you normally carry around and, and you're really sort of becoming someone else. So I can totally see why some people find that to be really erotically appealing. And then when you're surrounded by people wearing masks all the time right now, that that can sort of creep into uh, your your sexual fantasies. Right. That's interesting. But also when you see other people in masks and their faces covered, I think it's easier to objectify them, right? They seem less human or individual. So they're kind of just a body, which is sort of sexual, even if you're not meaning it to be sexual. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And you can become someone else. Your partner or partners can become other people as well. And so you just don't necessarily approach sex with the same set of concerns and distractions that that you would otherwise. Right. So that makes sense. And then in your research, are there certain types of people that are having more sex or certain types of couples who are doing better and feeling more sexually connected or just more romantically connected? Like you were saying, you're looking for factors of who's thriving and who's having a difficult time. Yeah. So one of the things we see in our data is that we have about one in five of our participants who say that they've made a new addition to their sex life since the pandemic began. And that could include trying sexting for the first time or sending nude photos or trying a new sexual position, having sex in a new location in the home, sharing or acting on your sexual fantasies. It it can take a whole bunch of different forms. But what we see is that the people who are making new additions are three times more likely to report an improvement in their sex life right now compared to people who are not making those new additions. And we see that certain types of people are more likely to pursue sexual novelty right now than others. Um, We know that loneliness and stress are factors that are predictive of people trying new and different things. Uh, So this is a way that some people are trying to blunt the negative effects of that that feeling of stress and loneliness. Um, But it's also related to people's personalities. We know that people who are sensation seekers, who have this heightened need for sexual excitement and thrills, are more likely to try new things now as well. Do you have any idea why that would be? Like, to me, it makes sense if you're single or dating or living alone that you would turn to technology, right? But like, why would it be that couples who have lived together for years, potentially, now during this time, you know, finally explore some fantasy that they've never talked about for the last decade. And that's one of the things that I think is so interesting is that there's really, for a lot of people right now, they're they're undergoing this sexual revolution where they're exploring these fantasies and desires that they might have been carrying around for years or decades. They've never shared them with a partner until now. And so why is that? I suspect that part of it might be that they just have more intimate time together. And we're seeing that this situation is bringing some couples closer together. And so they have this opportunity to connect with each other in a new way, to develop a new intimacy, and to take their sex lives to to new levels. Yeah, my mom said something really sweet the other day. Like that, I mean, her and my dad have been together since they were like teenagers, and they have a really great and aspirational relationship, I think. Um, But she was like, 
during this time, it really feels like it's us against the world. You know, like they live in the middle of the woods by themselves. They haven't seen anyone in two months. Um, and I think that they're feeling closer than ever, despite the fact that they're already really close, you know? And I think that there's something to be said for that, right? Like we were talking about initially this idea that you, your mortality becomes, is very forefronted. And so that of your partner as well, you know, like I don't want my boyfriend to get sick and die. You know what I mean? You're like so appreciative of that person and so appreciative that you live together and that you're, you know, making it work. Let's use this time. Oh my God, what if we don't have that much more time together? Like, let's not have any regrets. Like, let's experiment with these things. And, and I've also found that when we fight, we resolve it faster. Like, things sort of seem more trivial. It's like, who cares? Like, people are dying. It, it kind of feels like that's the vibe. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, that this type of situation can lead people to reprioritize a lot of things in their lives because this situation is making our mortality salient, right? Because you have this pandemic that has caused the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people worldwide already, and it shows no signs of abating. And so there is this existential threat that that a lot of us are, are coping with and feeling anxious about. And that's leading some of us to change the way that we think about not just our sex and love lives, but our lives in general and what's important and what we want to prioritize. And it's easy to see how some people might use that and try and channel those feelings in a productive way, maybe to finally check some things off of their sexual bucket list that they've always wanted to try. Totally. I mean, something I think is so interesting is that you know, what you said makes sense too. Like, let's check things off our sexual bucket list, but also a move toward partnership. And, you know, if you're single right now, I think that having a partner suddenly seems really appealing. Uh, even if like a few months ago, you were like, I want to like live my slutty truth. And like, definitely I have a particularly slutty friend group and I see them reprioritizing a bit toward, um, like more romance, partnership, stability. And does that feel like a trend to you too, like on the other end of this um, exploratory group of people? Yeah, I mean, there certainly is a trend to a degree of people recognizing the value and importance of that social connection. And some of us are realizing that we need relationships more than we we thought we did. And when we end up in this situation and we don't have anyone to, to turn to uh, and, and to have that physical contact with, it can be really taxing psychologically and really feel very devastating. Um, but what's interesting is that I've also heard from some people who are single who are saying that they realize they're actually a lot more self-sufficient now than they ever knew and that maybe they don't need a relationship in the same way that mm -hmm. they thought they did before. So again, it's it's so fascinating as a researcher to see how this type of situation affects different people in different ways. Um, but I do think there is certainly something to be said for uh, a lot of people really craving intimate touch and, and deep emotional bonds and, and connections with other people right now. And we see that borne out in some of our data where people are having deeper conversations with people on dating apps than they've ever had before. Whereas in the past, maybe they were just constantly swiping. Um, but now they're actually sitting there and having chats with people, including people they might not have otherwise talked to just because they crave that 
that connection uh, with other people so much. Loving Quarantine is sponsored by Luwand, a brand of premium pleasure toys designed with all bodies in mind. One of my favorites is the Arch, which is a double-ended stainless steel wand. It's basically a really weighty G-spot stimulator, which I recommend. And it's also dishwasher safe, which makes cleanup a lot easier depending on whether you have roommates or parents who you share your dishwasher with. Anyway, to learn more about Lewand, visit lewandmassager.com and use code CARLY to take advantage of their special once a year 30% off sale valid through May 31st. So, you know, we've been talking about couples who who are trying new things and who are actually experiencing a lot of like positive connection through all of this. But what about couples who are having a hard time? Um, Do you think that this period is illuminating incompatibilities for people? I'm sure that for a lot of people, they're thinking, you know, I was I was questioning this relationship for a long time or I didn't know if they were the right person or if, if I wanted to have kids with them and that this could make you think like, shit, you know, I who knows how long I'm, I'm going to be around. Like, I want to make the most of this and this person isn't right for me. Um, and then they have to like somehow logistically break up and move during the, the pandemic, which maybe would be a reason to just like wait until it's over and then break up. I don't know. Yeah. Cause it sounds kind of awkward to say, honey, I want a divorce. And then you've got to live with that person for several more months and you can't leave. Um, so, <laughs> but, but, but we do know we do. Um, I've heard anecdotally, uh, and, and we've seen in some of our data that some people are breaking up or they're having affairs uh, during this pandemic. Um, and one of the things that I think is really interesting is we asked people whether or not they had reached out to any exes since the pandemic began. And just in general, we found that about one in five people said they had done so. Um, singles were more mm. likely to do this than people in committed relationships. But we do have a small number of people in committed relationships in our study who said that they reached out to an ex because they wanted to get back together with them, which suggests that what? for some people, this pandemic is shifting their priorities and the way that they're evaluating their current relationship and their past relationship. And they're realizing that maybe they shouldn't have let that person get away. And so, you know, they they want to go back and revisit a, a previous relationship. So we're going to see some people, I think, break up as a result of this. And um, some people are going to be committing infidelity too. That's bad. <laughs> I mean, it just, okay, talking about infidelity, I keep thinking if you were having an affair before this, how is that playing out? Like imagine that you're like a, a woman who goes to work every day and then you're like sleeping with someone after work. And then you go home and, and kind of your ability to fuck someone else maintains like some kind of family and domestic calm. And then now you're stuck with your family and your husband all day. Like that's a make or break. I mean, I guess it could go both ways, right? That you you dedicate this time to try and working it out. But I also feel like, I mean, how are people managing that? Did you interview anybody that was doing that? <laughs> So that's a very specific example. <laughs> that, <you> gave. <laughs> that exact scenario. <laughs> and uh, I can't think of um, any specifics that really speak to that. I just know that we have some people who said that they are committing affairs. I also know that, uh, you know, for example, the website Ashley Madison is reporting an increase in 
new users every day of, I think it's around 9% or so. And so you've got some people who are now seeking out virtual affairs because they can't have them in person. Uh, so it would certainly be fascinating to look at the people who are having affairs before and then what is happening now. But I don't think our data uh, can really specifically speak to that. Virtual affairs. So they're, they're sleeping with strangers on FaceTime. Yep, it is certainly like, wait, happening. Like, do they hide in the bathroom? Like, that's fucking weird. Or do they wait till like, their partner where are you goes do to it? bed? Yeah, or while well, your partner's out on a walk. I, you know, there are all kinds of ways that people might try to sneak something like that in. That's so dark. Like, your partner puts on a gas mask and goes to, like, get groceries for your family, and then you're sexting with someone you met on Ashley Madison. Like, that person's going to hell, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and and it is absolutely happening that that some people are are having these affairs now for the first time, and I think that you know, in part of it, it, it goes back to what we were discussing earlier about conflict and other issues arising in this situation, and some people are coping in non-productive ways, such as by going behind their partner's back and having an affair. Um, by the same token, we also have some people who are having productive discussions with their partners and they're deciding to open their relationships for the first time during this pandemic. So, you know, again, you've got some people who are dealing with this in productive ways and others who are doing it in less than productive ways. Right. I mean, I know you're not someone who gives sex or relationship advice, but would you, from your data, seeing what people are and are doing well and what couples are doing well, would would you have anything to say um, to couples who are struggling that, you know, this might help? Yeah, there would be a few things. And I think one of the things that we can suggest is that, you know, this is a period of high stress and anxiety for a lot of people. And a lot of us don't quite know how to deal with it. And stress is something, as we discussed, that can really impair and inhibit sexual desire. And it can make it really difficult to maintain focus during the sex act itself. And so finding some way to manage your stress right now is really important. And this can take different forms for different people. For some people, it might be establishing a really regular exercise routine. For other people, it might be incorporating mindfulness or meditation techniques into their daily life and then trying to translate those into the bedroom. Uh, for other people, it might be just finding other forms of self-care, whether it's taking a long hot bath or going for a long walk. There's all kinds of things you can do, but it's important to find some way to put that stress in check so that you can be in a position to open yourself to sexual desire and to have pleasurable sexual encounters. Another thing that we can suggest based on the research is that we're seeing that the people who are trying new things with their partners right now are reporting much better outcomes than the people who aren't. So incorporating new acts of sexual novelty into your relationship can be a really powerful way to help you reconnect with your partner and to give your sex life a boost. And that could include everything from sharing or maybe even acting on your fantasies to uh, purchasing a new sex toy that you play with together to watching pornography together to uh, giving each other massages or back rubs or having sex in a different location in the home or trying a new position the possibilities are really endless there. Novelty is great for two reasons. One is that human beings have this inherent craving for novelty. And 
we tend to get bored of sexual routines very easily. So we kind of always need to be mixing it up when it comes to sex. And because we're in this situation where it's easy for everything to feel routine and boring right now, that need for novelty might be heightened. So it's important to tap into that. But the other benefit of novelty is that when you're doing something new and different, it creates this more immersive experience that lets you get lost in the moment. And with all of this stress and anxiety that we're dealing with, having that sense of immersion, I think, is really important for just allowing you to be there in the moment and enjoy sex. Okay, so basically you're saying that couples should watch coronavirus porn together (laughs) and it (laughs) solves everything. (laughs) I don't know that that's exactly what I said, but... (laughs) That's what I took away from it. Um, But hey, you you do you, you know, different things for different people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To that point, like, I mean, I'm constantly quoting my therapist, which is annoying. But basically, a while ago, my therapist told me this thing where um, that we set all these sexual expectations for ourselves that can lead to uh, disappointment or or feelings of um, not accomplishing, like, whatever this – this sexual goal you've set out for yourself was like, and and basically sex doesn't always have to be like great, you know, it, whatever great means. Like you, it doesn't always have to be 10 out of 10 that if you're working all day and so is your partner and you're going through a period of high stress or you're, you know, dealing with your kids all day during this time that maybe you're going to have sex is kind of lazy and maybe you're not going to be the most present. And like, maybe one of you doesn't come, but actually the fact that you're doing it and making the effort to do it in and of itself is connective and it's like you're showing up for each other sexually. And so, yeah, like the, to not beat yourself up about that, you know? Yeah. And I think that the advice that your therapist is giving you is really spot on that you shouldn't approach sex with this sort of checklist in mind of everything has to happen in this way. It has to unfold in this order. We got to do this and that for this amount of time. And it, I've got to have an orgasm and it's got to be, you know, this level of pleasure. Because when we go into sex with this very achievement-oriented focus where we're kind of just checking things off the list, that doesn't really make for a good encounter. And especially when people put all of this pressure on themselves or on their partners to orgasm, we know that that can really interfere with sexual satisfaction and enjoyment. I think it's important for people to learn that sex can be fun regardless of whether or not you have an orgasm every single time, right? You can still get something out of that act. And sex doesn't always have to unfold according to the the same script. In fact, sex is better when we tend to mix it up and try new and different things. So yeah, getting away from that goal-oriented approach, I think, is really important for maintaining a healthy and satisfying sex life, especially over the long term with, with a partner. Right. Yeah. Like, be present for what's happening and give yourself a break because it's a pandemic. Um, trend-wise, are there things that you're seeing now in terms of sex and relationships that, you know, that were different than six weeks ago and that, you know, you might expect to be different if, if we're still, you know, here in six months? Yeah, there's a lot of things that are happening right now that that are different, right? Everything from the increases in pornography consumption to some people spending more time on dating apps to changing their search parameters on those apps to their willingness to meet up with other people in person to their willingness to go on virtual dates. There are all kinds of things that are happening now in our sexual and intimate lives that reflect ways that we're trying to adapt to this current situation. And for so many of us, this is all 
totally new. And some of these experiences are going to be really good. And some of them are going to be disasters. And so it's only through trial and error that we'll figure out what does and doesn't work. And so I think it's important to, you know, try and keep in mind that if you're trying some new things and some of them don't work, that's okay. At least you figured out that maybe they don't work. Um, But, you know, just keep trying and continuing to explore and experiment because this is such an interesting and unique time where you have a chance to learn a lot about yourself sexually and also about what it is that you really want in a relationship and and how to connect with someone else. I, I know that it's easy to think about this situation and get hung up on all the struggles and challenges and all these other things, but think about all the opportunities that are out there and what you can take from and learn from this situation to have a happier and healthier intimate life going forward. Well, thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you learned as much as I did. Loving Quarantine is created and produced by me, Carly Shortino, and Rachel Rapkin, produced in partnership with Blue Duck Media. See you next time.